Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. Like so do you have a digital it. copy, or what do you have on on Toy Story? Uh, I have the the disc. Is it um, a recent disc, or what? Like no, I mean it would have been when the like I guess when the third one came to Blu-ray. I remember buying uh, okay, all never of them. Mind so are, are you? You're referring to the is it the couch scene? The, yeah, the casting yeah, couch. Yeah, yeah. I think I yeah. probably brought this up to you at some point. Like I watched. I was going to do some Perry Mason theatrics and you know oh. be like, now go to your digital copy, <laughs> Denniston, <laughs> and see what, what the outtakes are like at the end credits. He's stealing Woody. What? what are we going to do, Buzz? Use your head. But I don't want to use my head. This Thanksgiving. The toys are back in town. Woody saves the day again! And just trying to get home. <laughs> it isn't a real rescue without Buzz Lightyear! In one piece. <laughs> We've been down this aisle already. We've never been down this aisle. It's pink! Back it up, back it up! <laughs> I'm tour guide Barbie! I'm a marriage spot, I'm a marriage spot. <laughs> I'm going to let go of the wall. Uh, what? He would. Uh, One. He would. Yeah. Two. Five. Guys. Three. <laughs> Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, Toy Story 2. Ride like the wind, bullseye. <laughs> All right, Toy Story 2. The <laughs> <laughs> long march. Here. We got, got the Wikipedia page. Now I gotta hit play on Toy Story 2. <laughs> <laughs> We're giving people only the best today. Uh, uh, we are going to do a disservice to this film, <laughs> no doubt. I, well, I guess. Uh, you know, the Disney logo looks uh, pretty nice here. <laughs> we got some fireworks going on. You got, you got the castle. Do you remember the old white... You know, in Blue Castle, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Now, now nice. weirdly enough, people think that, that Tinkerbell came out, you know, on that on that logo, but she did not. Hmm. Go back and look at it. She never does. <laughs> I was not one of those people, um, and I, I don't need to go back to the tape. Um, I probably should have for this recording. 
<laughs> this has been quite a stretch since I've seen Toy Story 2, and this is not one that I uh, ever revisited. I don't know if I ever saw it again after its theatrical run. Um, so yeah, doing a disservice to this, because I think the most interesting thing about this film is this is the uh, this is the turning point, isn't it, for Pixar? I guess you could say that. Uh, you know, for me, I, I had seen... Toy Story 1 in theaters as a kid, but by the time this came out, I was in high school and I was already, you know, too cool, uh, you know, for, for, for cartoons, as Michael oh, Dennison would put it. How uh, silly that sounds now. <laughs> Pixar. Pretty approved for any adults to go see a cartoon. Oh. The, uh, the Pixar label. Well, before you, you know, get too, you know, too grumpy uh, about all this, um, <laughs> You know, these movies are fun. The Pixar, I think Pixar definitely had greater heights uh, past Toy Story 2. And I would say those movies they did in the 2000s, like Finding Nemo, Ratatouille, WALL-E, that's a pretty, you know, that, that, that stretch is kind of beyond reproach for, for a studio in the, in the modern era, in my opinion. I have not seen either one of those movies. You've not seen Wally to, uh, uh, Ratatouille uh, no. or Ratatouille and uh, Finding Nemo. I've seen Wally. Wally was. You've never seen Finding Nemo. I've never seen Finding Nemo. I started Ratatouille way back in the old uh, Netflix uh, disc days and got about twenty minutes. This into is why. It and this is why you're so pessimistic, <laughs> uh, Denniston. Because if you realize, if you realize that anyone can cook, you know, <sighs> it would give you hope. Uh, for for your life, um, you know, uh. I know that's, that sounds like a stretch. I don't. <laughs> Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo is also a really deep film beneath the surface, and and I have a feeling you maybe maybe that would be the one that would make your Grinch like heart mm. grow a few sizes. Don't there. like fish. So. Don't like kids. It's really it's Bad a story about it's a story about fathers. Really, it, it, that's what it's about. I already got that. Ethan Hawke, Boyhood. That's all I need. It's better. Same uh, thing. So I'm going to take it. Two. I'm going to take it. Toy Story 2. You didn't like it. No, not really. Um, okay. It is. I, I think you can see the uh, the seams of where this was originally a straight to video uh, cash grab. And I guess thankfully Pixar, they took back the reins from uh, Disney doing that to a lot of their, uh, their 90s classics uh, where it. I don't know when did that start, Ben? Was the was it the Lion King? Uh, when when did it become acceptable that they would have uh, very mediocre sequels that would go uh, straight to video? But that that was the origin of this project. So that's that's why I said we we're going to do a disservice to it because it's I think an interesting backstory that uh, they were able to reclaim this. And uh, I guess you know Disney is very thankful uh, that this went on to have a theatrical life and create. Uh, a franchise that would spawn two more of these. Of yeah, these Disney Disney animated theatrical movies, you're right. There's not a lot of sequels uh, to them. Um, you know, I, like I'm looking it up right here, Proper right sequels. now. And yeah, you're right. Pretty much, they, they started doing, okay, The Rescuers Down Under uh, is one of the only ones that I'm seeing here to, for the 20th century, basically. That's one of the only ones that I see here. Uh, Another classic. Oh, I li- okay, you're you're joking, but I really like that movie. Actually, <laughs> it's quite a lot of fun. It's quite a lot of fun. Um, I was just hoping you would come back with uh, 
you know, whatever the rescuers down under is about, that it would uh, give me hope in my life, like the well, rat learning to, to cook. Well, yeah, so it's mice, not rats, and they're in, they're down under, they're in Australia, and they're, totally. they have to find an egg or something, uh-huh. but there's a, lot of, there's a lot of good action and adventure sequences there. Uh, that's not a bad movie. Uh, Does it you make know. you sad that I'm much more likely to watch Rescuers Down Under than Finding Nemo? Uh, you know, everything you do makes me sad, Michael Denniston, <laughs> particularly, you know, today. With the, well, yeah, we just have to we just have to hate on Toy Story. You know, we gave a pass to Tarzan. Um, you know, but Toy Story 2, this is the one. Okay, I don't have much to say about it. I think it's very enjoyable. I think it's mostly remembered for this sequence with the Joan Cusack uh, character when she is remembering, you know, the days uh, when she was played with, you know, because she, well, she's a toy, uh, for starters. And <laughs> Careful. <laughs> Jesse, I know you hate me for leaving, but I have to go back. I'm still Andy's toy. Well, if you knew him, you'd understand. You see, Andy's Let me a- guess. Andy's a real special kid. And to him, you're his buddy, his best friend. And when Andy plays with you, it's like, even though you're not moving, you feel like you're alive. Because that's how he sees you. How did you know that? Because Emily was just the same. She was my whole world. When somebody loved me, everything was beautiful. Every hour we spent together lives within my heart and it's all set to this nice song called when she loved me which is by who randy newman but who sings it someone sings it right uh i I hope so (laughs) sarah mclaughlin sarah mclaughlin oh and it's a nice song it's a nice song it's a very moving scene uh i think i think that was definitely a turning point for Pixar in the sense that I don't think people necessarily thought they were cap- capable of having that kind of a emotional uh, impact and pull with an audience. There's nothing really like that in the first Toy Story. Uh, the closest thing is when, you know, Buzz is trying to uh, remember how to fly and all that. And, it, you know, not quite the same thing. That's still very, you know, like, like that, that never breaks out from, you know, being an, an entertaining kids movie, uh, in my opinion. In regards to the whole, like, Toy Story series, you know, they all kind of get steadily better, I think, until you get to the the third. It's, it's the rare, like, trilogy where I think the third movie is definitely the best. Uh, I, it's so, I, I think Toy Story 3 is so good. That's part of the reasons why I never bothered with Toy Story 4, because I heard a lot of... Uh, you know, different uh, polarizing opinions in regards to all that. Um, so I know you hate yeah. this. I know you hate this, but I, I would like <laughs> to just recognize what Pixar achieved in oh, within God. the confines of the animated family friendly movie. Uh, you know, they really they really changed uh, uh, and widened the perspective of what those movies could be capable of and and you know in terms of solid solid storytelling in terms of solid story structure uh i will take almost any pixar movie 
uh, over, um, you know, over, over feature films that just can't be bothered to, to tell a story, uh, properly. I think, I think you look at the Marvel movies from the last 15 years or so, like Jesus, Jesus Christ, man. Uh, just because you're making a big budgeted, you know, uh, spectacle movie doesn't mean it can't, uh, have some semblance of, of a well-told story. I think it's been a few episodes since uh, Marvel <laughs> was brought up. <laughs> well, I'm kicking a horse while it's down because, I mean, you know, what? this is the longest I, stretch uh, uh, in time where there hasn't been like a Marvel movie uh, yeah, released theatrically. All, all it took was a global pandemic to uh, give us that <laughs> that refreshing, cool breeze of not having uh, the MCU to discuss or uh, not discuss online. Um well, okay, I I kind of lean more this is like a hint of the uh the, the not the Marvel Marvelization of Pixar, even though they're all you know, they're all under one banner and they're one square on a streaming service now. Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, all side by side. Um But yeah, I love Toy Story Three. I don't, I don't know. Is it the Star Trek thing? Is it the odds or evens? I can't remember. Is it flipped for supposedly for the Star Trek films that you know every other it's one is evens, really good. The evens uh, Star Treks are, but that kind of doesn't because if you go by that, then Star Trek Nemesis is supposed to be good, and Star Trek Nemesis is really really bad, uh, one of the worst. So I'm not I'm not getting into that those particular weeds of of dorks because I, I never got into. Uh, Star Trek. I think I watched First Contact. That might be the only. That's a good one. Movie. That's a good one to start yeah, with. I liked it. I thought it was a you know it's a good little action movie. Um, for me, <laughs> I do not like Toy Story two. Uh, Toy Story four that you you skipped seems like a remake of this, uh, with uh, more of an emphasis on on Woody having the uh, the the feeling of abandonment, which. You know, you you said that the the first film kind of keeps it in the uh, the fun kids movie realm, uh, which I prefer because I don't think it's as melodramatic. Uh, and sure, I, I feel like Woody that's is fair. Going and I'm not that. I'm not saying that's a bad movie. Just to be clear. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd hope not, especially if you're coming out as a Toy Story two fan. I'd, that would be really strange if you hated the first one, <laughs> but the second one course corrected for you. Um, I didn't really remember much of this. I remember the villain. Uh, the prospector, spoiler alert, I guess, uh, for this that uh, you know, and I guess the uh, the the attempt to get at the the adults, which I think the Lego Movie kind of did as well, as far as grown men uh, hoarding uh, these uh, items or memories from their childhood and and putting them up on on display and not not really interacting with them. I, I, there's a little bit of that, I guess, with the, the the you know the human villain, not the toy villain. In this, but uh, most of it is just like a sort of an old-fashioned men on a mission type movie, right? Mm-hmm. And you get to Bones yeah. and the rest of the toys, mm-hmm. and it's that's like, where... it's like the Dirty Dozen, yeah, uh, for toys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't have any particular issue with it. I just don't, I don't find it to be uh, very memorable. So when you were you were talking about that sequence with uh, Jesse, is that the character's name, uh, Joan Cusack, uh, who is being played with as a toy, exclusively as a toy? Uh, I just remembered her being really annoying. And uh, I guess uh, the other thing with uh, Toy Story 4 is uh, keeping with that sort of remake uh, of this one is uh, Jesse, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't Bo Peep completely get bumped out of the third film? I don't remember. 
I think so, because I think in the fourth one, it's like, it was very Marvel-like, where they're like, but whatever happened to Bo Peep? That's a question that needs answers. And I remember finding that very strange, that anyone was demanding to know what happened to the Bo Peep character. Um, I, yeah, I just, I feel like this is one that it, because of its uh, origins, uh, you can still feel that it's a little bit of a throwaway at times, which, you know, honestly, back... I don't know, probably even back in 1999, like we were still operating under the idea that sequels were not meant to be superior to their yeah. uh, mm-hmm. original films. And so Toy Story 3 is is a shocker. I think the amount of time between 2 and 3 contributes to that uh, and the, the actual aging process. That, Like you said, you and I both watched the first Toy Story when we were kids, before we were teenagers. Yeah, yeah, that's and a good point. So, yeah, I mean, when 2010, I think, when Toy Story 3 comes out and you're looking back at it with adult eyes, uh, yeah, there was. I, I love that film. Uh, there's a lot of emotional stuff in it. Um, second one. See, see, um, you liking Toy Story bad. three really makes me think that that you should check out Finding Nemo and Ratatouille. Uh, those are the the Pixar films that people generally consider to be uh, most successful with with adults. So, yeah, but man, you, you don't know my disdain for fish, fish and children, is such <laughs> that I just. <laughs> Because even back in 2003, when it was, you know, it was like the summer movie. And I I had friends that were like, no, no, really. Like, even knowing my distaste for cartoons, they were like, you really, really should see it. It's really good. And I've I've held strong for, uh, I guess, 17 years at this point. I but think, maybe, okay, maybe can, I will. If, do you want to hear my take on it, on Finding Nemo? <laughs> I'm sure um, our listeners would want it because we've got absolutely nothing on Toy Story 2. I, I, yeah, I've said everything on Toy Story 2. I get that you dislike it. We've established your heart is made of stone, charcoal. There's just right. nothing there. But, Let's hear about the fish. So I, I think Finding Nemo, I think one of the reasons it resonated with people so well, and, I, and I've gone back and looked at my own adolescence and discovered this to be the case, it was a really good movie uh, for people to embrace after after 9-11. Um, mm. And the director even kind of talks about his inspiration for it was that when he was a father, you know, seeing his kid go and do something that might look a little dangerous or whatever, he, you know, was driving him nuts and he was always trying to make sure his kid couldn't, you know, wasn't doing anything, wasn't going out in the street, wasn't playing, blah, blah, blah. And then he realized one day that he was, you know, sheltering his child from, from having any sort of life. Uh, and and post 9-11, you know, in the 21st century, uh, I feel like there was a big deal of, uh, a great deal of that of feeling like let's just, you know, uh, shut ourselves away, uh, you know, into our houses and um, make sure we all have cell phones and we (laughs) never do anything. Um, And we grab, well, yeah, no, now we, (laughs) now we (laughs) literally do exactly that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now you made it sad. Uh, But in 2003, (laughs) Finding Nemo, I, I thought, well, you know, had some really good messages for people in, in regards to to a a, a very esoteric uh, term known as uh, negative capability and sort of the, the 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 feeling of being okay with be with with accepting that there's danger in the world and being okay with that and accepting that you still have to live your life. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good pitch. All right. 
I think I still have a <laughs> a free trial of Disney Plus, uh, which I have used exactly twice uh, since it launched. So maybe, maybe it'll get a click from me. So l- let me flip it then, because you've not been negative enough for my taste, and you're not going to be about this fish movie. Has has Pixar ever steered you wrong? Yes, what, definitely. What so and, and you know, um, so I haven't seen a Bug's Life in many years. I remember that being a little disappointing. Uh, okay. Did you like ants? Uh, I think I liked Ants better uh, from what I remember, even as a kid. Uh, Brave. Brave is not a good movie. Brave is very disappointing. Um, Finding Dory is entertaining, but definitely that their sequels in in like past Toy Story 3 are are really not that good. They really they really start to kind of take on this notion of, okay, this is the one we're doing for Disney uh, you know, and then the and then the original mm. properties end up being the ones they're doing for themselves, and there there can be a little hit, hit or miss there too. Uh, the good dinosaur, you know, um, was a disappointment for many. Um, I found it to be fine, but I could see how people could be disappointed with it. Uh, but Coco really enjoyed Coco, uh, and I don't know. I didn't see Onward or or Soul. Uh, has Soul been released? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> you see, I did. I did become an adult at, at some point. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, because I was about to blame this very film, Toy Story Two, for uh, creating the sort of event status for animation. That uh, uh, maybe you know, you're talking about the uh, the one for them, one for us. Like, certainly Disney had that in the '90s, uh, but no sequels. Like the you know the sequel to uh, Beauty and the Beast was Aladdin, basically, right? It's like, you know, it's whatever the next one, whatever the next uh, officially christened Disney film for that year, Disney animated film. Uh, and I, I feel like Toy Story 2 um, probably set a greater precedent as far as, like, turning these into individual uh, franchises, uh, which makes me, <laughs> probably makes it more distasteful for me than, than what the film itself actually deserves. Like, knowing... <laughs> what would be wrought from this uh, by the Disney overlords uh, is probably why I, I'm more negative on this particular film than I would be another, you know, just uh, action kids movie like this with, you know, Mr. Potato Head and, uh, the, you know, the pig or whatever uh, getting into pratfalls. Uh, it's mostly fine. I just don't think you can blame a movie for, for other movies that came after it. I, th- I think that's a little unfair. I've, uh, you, you tend to do hey, that more than me. This is a uh, uh, <laughs> podcast looking back on 1999. I will use everything <laughs> everything that came after in my evidence. I said Kelsey Grammer was nice. I'm not holding... You know, I love his, Kelsey. I'm not going to say his voice work here is like, you know, I don't think that's going to be featured in his obituary. Uh, <laughs> but, I, but I enjoy yeah, Kelsey Grammer a lot. don't think this is bumping... Prospector Frazier, Frazier uh, Crane. You know, yeah, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> uh, what else is memorable here? Is it? Is there well, one okay. memorable we, we, uh, know. set piece? Uh, no, not but maybe the the toy store. I guess is kind of cool, it, but and, and a bit dystopian and, and austere. Um, and that's an interesting interpretation for them to take. Uh, you know, you you definitely see a large emphasis on consumerism there. Uh, in the design of it, at least, not really so much in the, in, the, in how it functions in the and story. And all the uh, the brands that uh, were Johnny Come Latelys that uh, after the success of the first film definitely wanted to get you know wanted to get Barbie in there and uh, who's I felt like there were some other little 
uh, nuggets in there. There, I know there's that one line about uh, the uh, the toy makers not having confidence in a particular properties, and so not having no toys for the holiday season, which I think was an allusion to the surprise success of the first film. Um, see, the, the more we talk about it, the more there are individual moments I actually like in this movie. But um, yeah, it's just uh, a hellscape at the movies that really Toy Story 2 is solely to blame. That's what I'm saying. Well, now you have no movies to go to. So there. <laughs> um, so the one other so thing I, I wanted won. to bring up is an important uh, point. Uh, so this movie was one of the um, early cases in the last two years where Disney uh, or, or a movie company of any kind actually went back and and censored uh, the property because they were worried about flack uh, mm. post the Me Too movement. Happening and a lot so, now. Yeah, if you, so my copy is, that I have on my media server uh, has this little outtake with Kelsey Grammer's character. Prospector, how about you? And so you two are oh. absolutely identical? <laughs> you know, I'm sure I could get you a part in Toy Story 3. I'm sorry, are we back? Oh, all right, girls. Lovely talking with you. Yes, any time you'd like some tips on acting, I'd be glad to chat with you. All right, off you go then. You know, it's a harmless, stupid little joke. Like the, the no one, is no it one, harmless? Ben? It, yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> I love how you're using the two things I pointed out, saying I really like. I really like Kelsey Grimmer as a prospector, and I like the Barbies being included. And now. Uh, you're, you're making it dark and unseemly. Well, I guess just like Pixar did back in 1999. Disney's own the fault. The freewheeling 1999. I'm trying to point out the stupidity of all this censorship, which is exactly what it is. Um, what difference does it make? Why why create this asterisk uh, that's going to follow this movie around where, oh, like if you have the outtake at the end with the prospector, you know, then you then you have the ironic thing is that these outtakes weren't weren't even really included uh, until they re-released the film. Uh, originally, they didn't have any any of those outtakes. I believe this is the first movie where they did that. I could be wrong um, on that front, but well, that shows them. <laughs> but I still <laughs> no think silliness. I still think it's wrong, no and fun. I still think you know you look at what's happened in the last six months or so they they've censored golden girls you know they've censored 30 rock all the things that were you know really impacting our lives that were just creating this uh uh unseen evil of uh uh, uh rue mcclanahan and, and betty white uh where wearing uh mud masks uh you know like 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 they just had to go um you know it's uh it's very upsetting it's very disturbing um and and the fact that people aren't calling out uh this stuff for what it is uh you know uh i don't know it makes makes me uh makes me want to want to vomit denniston <laughs> i was well maybe we should uh, stop this <laughs> this podcast right now <clears throat> because i was about to ask you you know throw up a softball as far as has it changed and maybe it hasn't with you um Maybe you've always felt a certain way about uh, you know ownership rights, and especially when it comes to like physical media of of films. Uh, has it changed uh, your sort of buying habits or collecting habits at all in that way? Because uh, this is probably the first brush or the first uh, you know 
wide swath of uh, sitcoms, certain episodes, films, like being altered, uh, and it can be, I guess, easily, relatively easily done on streaming platforms if that's how you solely consume films. But has it uh, changed anything for you, or were you always like a, a collector at heart as far as the, uh, the DVDs and Blu-rays? I was a very light collector, and yeah, I've started spending more on these things because, yeah, yeah, it's. Re- I mean, the sense that I bought, yeah, I bought. You know, Blazing Saddles, which, of course, is now uh, completely out of print and will likely never be Mm. in print again. Um, You know, and that's the thing that really I I would say that's the thing that really worries me is that these things that have been in the news that have been highlighted and everything. That's what we know of. There's another movie uh, from the 1970s with Gene Wilder that I really like called Silver Streak, which is very, very funny. Uh, but there's a scene where Gene Wilder appears in blackface and Richard Pryor has a, a really, really funny line where, where he says uh, something like, like, I hope we don't run into any Muslims um, as, as they're walking away. It's, it's hysterical. It's a hysterical joke. Um, you know, and that movie has gone kind of silently out of print. You haven't heard a lot of people uh, bring it up, but it's now very rare to find that movie. Um, so... You know, who knows? Who knows? I think once you open the Pandora's box on this and, and you accept it, uh, there's no telling, um, you know, there's there's no end in sight uh, to to what uh, they might go back and, and erase and get rid of. Well, I, I mean, I don't think it's a, uh, uh, I guess, the, the minority report uh, sort of opinion here, uh, but, you know, it's something that I and other people have uh, posited that uh, <clears throat> this extreme uh, version of uh, progressives and and how they handle or can't handle art uh, is probably going to lead to well, I mean, go back to Marvel, uh, just a lot of very uh, conservative uh, films that come out. And I don't mean conservative as far as political leanings. I just mean incredibly safe and uh, not challenging in the slightest, which. Uh, I don't know. When I was younger, that's not uh, what I thought of as far as to be you know, considered progressive or left-leaning was that we would eventually be the uh, <laughs> the old fuddy-duddies uh, wanting to uh, say that's not funny. You you can't say that. Uh, can't say that on television. Uh, that is, you, you know what we got to say now. <laughs> <laughs> what do we have to say now? <laughs> that ain't woke, bro. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. The uh, the future rebranding of this, <laughs> this very podcast. <laughs> Uh, at least it tickles you. <laughs> it maybe, does. It does. Maybe not the content, the, the, but you, you the, certainly love the title and the, the idea. The, the idea of like identifying these things and then going, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! That ain't woke, bro." <laughs> uh, I think is is pretty funny to me. Um, and and you know, like 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 South Park satirized that uh, a few years ago. Uh, but I but I wonder would they satirize that today? Um, granted, we don't know because they don't make new episodes anymore because of the pandemic. Uh, hmm. So. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know. And eventually, those those dudes are gonna, you know, they're gonna get tired, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's uh, South Park is so. I mean, it's not even just the two of them. It's like seventy five percent one of those creators, right? As far as like his uh, particular viewpoint, and then the other. I didn't guy, know that. I didn't know that. There's a really interesting. Uh, I don't. I don't think it was a documentary, but maybe it was a TV special that was called Six Days to mm-hmm. Air. I have and seen it, that. Uh, it's good. Yeah, that was great. Uh, I could not handle that. Like whoever, like I can't remember. It's the one that I, get, I think used to have blonde hair. Uh, I think he's balding now. Whatever one that it's Parker and Stone. I, I get them mixed up, but uh, he's a madman as far as uh, his ability to take something 
and can you know create it out of a whole cloth in the span of a week to remain topical uh, is not the way I'd want to do it. I definitely would want to go the Simpsons route where you have like a you know hundreds of people working on it for a year. Uh, so yeah, I don't know when that when he goes. Um, I guess democracy goes, Ben, as far as entertainment, South Park, uh, which I know you've, you've stuck with uh, for pretty much the entire runtime, uh, going back to our conversation on that film. I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go that far, but it does bring our conversation full circle, getting back to the 1999, to, you know, 1999, um, my favorite animated movie, uh, South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut, you know, not a movie Tarzan. that was, no, not Tarzan. Uh, were, you know, was espousing uh, uh, censorship and expo- and you know, really highlighting that, uh, and and remains very you know relevant today. Like who who knew who who could have predicted that you know that message would still be so controversial, probably more controversial than than it was in 1999. Um, so yeah, there you go. I'm I'm gonna say that because I think it's our, our last animated movie. So I'm gonna say. Uh, South Park, you, you, you take it all. Uh, you bar- barely edge out the Iron Giant. Uh, there's some there's some good ones here. You know, just talking about Tarzan again, uh, the Iron Giant, South Park, and uh, <clears throat> Princess Mononoke, which I know is another favorite of yours. Uh, we're really uh, finishing with the weakest link uh, here as far as our selection of cartoons. All right, Emma Thompson, you know, there you go. <laughs> What's her name in that? The one who, the woman who wrote uh, P.L. Travers. <laughs> I don't know what you're. What are we? So, so in that? saving Mr. So in saving Mr. Banks, oh, uh, she oh, she oh, she's awful. watching Mary Poppins and she's crying and and Tom Hanks says it's okay, it's okay, Mr. Banks is going to be okay, and she says I just can't abide cartoons. And if you had listened to uh, you know the episode of ninety nine from ninety nine, I think our last time we talked about an animated movie. Uh, you know, I, hi- I highlighted uh, that that clip. So, how dare you? That's Excuse that's who you are. That. Who knows? Your P.L. Who knows Travers. When that episode <laughs> aired. Uh, I'm I'm on the uh, Liberty Heights bandwagon. I'm I'm staying up to date, staying hip, like all, all of our listeners are. Uh, but what is what is next, Ben? What is our next? I don't remember. Um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Always good, uh, considering uh, we were about to record on this. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, now I know. Now I know. <laughs> So, so uh, you know, lead actor who is dead and a director who is sadly uh, recently uh, dead uh, as well. Yeah. So there Man, you go. Right that's your hint. Yeah, that's really uh, depressing clue there, <laughs> which I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they'll get. Uh, we were talking about uh, Joel Schumacher's uh, Flawless with uh, the actor you're referencing, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and uh, Robert De Niro, thankfully, uh, still still with us and still still working and uh yeah this is probably not uh not high on people's priority uh, maybe after philip seymour hoffman's untimely uh passing uh it got a little bit more uh people backtracking to, to complete his work if they missed anything but yeah this is a certified box office bomb uh, that we are choosing to highlight, I guess because of the lead actors and maybe Joel Schumacher. I mean, he's a major filmmaker, uh, especially still in 1999. So, yeah, we will be discussing Flawless, and uh, I know people cannot wait for this one. And as the years go by, our friendship will never die. You're gonna see And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook 
at 99 from 99.